Snap Studios. Hush, hush. Keep it down now. Because voices carry. Spook the weights. Stay tuned. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Support for Snap Judgment presents Spooked comes from Odoo. Tired of relying on disconnected software to manage your business? Then you need Odoo. Odoo is an all-in-one management platform with a suite of user-friendly applications designed to simplify and connect every aspect of your company in one easy-to-use software so you can get more done in less time. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash spooked. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash spooked. Odoo, because amazing employees deserve amazing software. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. It's this sense, this sense, this feeling. As a child, I thought everybody had it from time to time. Then later I thought, maybe I'm crazy. Later still, I learned that some people feel it, and other people don't feel it. They don't feel it anymore, or they are able to turn it off. I am not able. But I've since discovered that it's not just me that feels that dark stare. It's not just me who knows that empty rooms are never truly empty. Finally, I found a tribe of people who know, who know we're being watched, and that... That fork in the road, finding you, that has made all the difference. Spook starts now.
Now then, Brian and Diane, they live with their three young boys. A happy, loving family got them a new house. Everything is great. Wonderful as it should be. One night, just as everyone's getting sleepy, just as things are winding down, well, I'm going to hand it over to Diane. Spooked. So Brian and I are watching TV in the living room. It's getting late, and he wants to finish the show. I decide to just go to bed on my own. I went to bed, lay down, and fell asleep pretty quickly. I was pretty tired. And I'm not sure how long I've I've been asleep, but I get the sensation of the mattress being pushed down and of Brian climbing into bed next to me. And because I'm a light sleeper, that motion wakes me up. I start to roll over and turn towards Brian and open my eyes, but I'm shocked to see that there's no one there. Not Brian, not one of the boys, nobody. Diane brushes it off, rolls over, and falls back to sleep. She doesn't even mention it to Brian in the morning, but still, at bedtime, she can't get it out of her head. I'm a little tense, I'm a little wound up, but you know, a girl's got to sleep. So I go to bed, fall asleep, and again, I feel the sensation of the mattress being pushed down. The first time that it happened, I discounted it, but after the second, third, fourth, fifth time, I started to get, you know, a little less skeptical. I'm super in tune at this point with what's going on, and I could feel the weight of a body, of of someone coming into bed and laying down next to me. I could feel the depression next to me. You know, this is someone who weighs more than me or is bigger than me. They're taking up more space than me. I could feel the bed being pushed down. So I opened my eyes, turn to my right, I hold my breath, I look, it's not Brian. There's no one there. I pull the covers over my head, and I just repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over again until I, until I fall asleep. Okay, so maybe it's not in my head. Maybe this is actually something. But I, I mean, how do you say that? To, how do you say that without thinking that you're going to sound crazy? I can't tell my kids they're younger. I don't want to scare them. I don't want to tell my husband because even as I'm saying it or experiencing it, I'm thinking of reasons for why this can't be the case, why it has to be in my head. Diane holds on to this weight for a while. She continues to experience this kind of like a bad dream over and over and over until one night something shifts. So I I work as a contractor. Um, And that means that you're at the beck and call of your sponsors, whoever you're working with. This night I'm working, it's one of my later nights. So I'm sitting in my office. Everyone else in the house has been asleep for hours. I work with the lights off at night. I don't know why. It's a little bit more sort of comforting to me. So literally the only light in my office is just the glow of my computer screen. I'm typing away at this proposal. 
And I get to the point where the words are on the page are just sort of swimming in front of my eyes. And I realize that I'm not good to anyone at this point. I need to just sort of, you know, call it a night, head to bed. And I fall asleep like almost as soon as my head hits the pillow. So I'm in a very deep sleep and I'm, I wake up to the sensation of Brian massaging my shoulder. And it's, feels so good that I let him do this for a few minutes. I'm taking full advantage of it. And after a few minutes, I start to feel a little bit guilty. So I open my eyes and I start to turn towards Brian, towards my right, to tell him that he can, you know, thank you, but you can stop now. And I, I, my heart just started racing. There's no one there and my heart just drops and I just feel so scared this was someone something trying to interact with me I climb out of bed as fast as I can and I start running through the house to find Brian so I I check the living room is he sleeping on the sofa no down the stairs to the basement and he's in the futon yes and I woke him up and I said Brian oh my god you don't understand I I felt someone rubbing my shoulder and I thought it was you and there's no one there and I don't know what the heck is going on and so his you know response was you know it's all right I'm sure it was nothing I know you've been working hard you know just go back to sleep It's fine. It was nothing. And I said, you know, whatever. It wasn't nothing. It was something. But I'm sleeping down here with you. As uncomfortable as that futon was, I said that the rest of the night, and the light of day sort of brings a little bit more clarity. But I did call him at work to tell him about the things that had happened prior to that point, about feeling someone consistently climbing into the bed with me. Because the massage was sort of the thing that broke the dam for me, which made me realize that I had to share this with him. But at that point, like, it it broke the dam. So I told him about everything that happened to that point. And, you know, being the, the logical person that he is, he was trying to explain it away for me. And I kind of felt like a little bit hurt, you know, like, well, why don't you believe me? But if the roles were reversed, if I'm being honest with myself, I wouldn't have believed him either. But he he was a a skeptic, as I would expect, you know, almost any reasonable person to be. Or at the very least, like two engineers, yes, we're going to be skeptical. So what I started doing was logging. I mean, I'm such a nerd. I started like sort of logging this. And so if something happened that night, I would just put like a little X or like a little circle in the corner of the page. Nothing more than just to acknowledge that it happened. And at least that I know there's a record of my descent into insanity. I don't know. I started logging it down. So after a few weeks pass, Diane continues to mark X's and O's in the corner of her notebook every time that thing comes to visit. But then one day when she's at work, she gets a call from Brian. And there wasn't even like a hello, how are you, good morning. His first words to me were, I believe you. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Like, you believe me, what do you, what, what do you believe me about? I believe you now. It absolutely happened to me. Now, I didn't get the nice massage, but um, but I certainly felt something pushing down in the bed behind me. 
So Brian's lying wide awake in bed when he notices something off. I feel this pushing behind me, behind my back in the bed on the mattress, so much so that, that I sort of fall back into it. I kind of move out of the way a little bit and turn around so that I can get out of Diane's way because I feel her coming into the bed so she can get, go to sleep. You know, when I turn around and there's nothing there, I just immediately tensed up and I just got out of bed and left the room. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. And <laughs> maybe I was a little selfish. I was like, okay, good, finally. Finally, like, it's, it's happening to someone else. It's not just me. You know, now we can be sort of like side by side on this. Brian and Diane make a pact to not tell the kids anything that's going on. And they do like a pretty decent job with it until one night, Diane puts all three boys to bed. So, you know, our children are young. It takes a little while to put them to bed. It's super annoying when they keep popping out of bed all the time. And they were pulling the nonsense that they normally pull, you know, getting up to get water and can I get one more hug and I need to go to the bathroom. And at this point, Brian and I are both just over it. We're ready for them to go to bed. We want to enjoy some quiet time um, to ourselves. Brian and I are in bed. The lights are on. I'm reading. Um, he's doing something or other on his phone. And all of a sudden, I hear clear as day footsteps running from the basement door towards the end of the hallway towards my younger son's room. I turned around. I said to Brian, you need to go yell at them. You need to get them to go to bed. I'm done. So he gets up. He goes to their room. As he's opening the door to our bedroom, I can see from, from where I am in the bed that my oldest son had opened his door and he's sticking his head out. Well, so I was just, like, in my bed, like, sitting, watching stuff on my phone, and I hear, like, these, like, like footsteps outside of my door. I think he thought, he assumed as well, that his brothers were running around. So I was just sitting in my bed <laughs> waiting for this to play out. I don't get to be the bad guy. Brian is sort of doing the heavy lifting. He comes back into our bedroom and he says, Diane, they're asleep. It's like, no way, that's impossible. They must have been faking. He said, no way. He's like, you know, I went in. They are dead asleep. They're not moving. It's not them. And we just sort of looked at each other. We're like, okay, what are we supposed to do with this? You know, it was, was where the footsteps were running. They were running into a wall. There was no place to go. Charlie was my breaking point because up to this point, everything was mostly centered around me. As I'm, as I'm recounting it now, I can like feel myself sort of like shaking because it was the first thing that made me think like, maybe we don't have a friendly ghost. Maybe there's something else going on here. So Charlie is seven and every day he wakes up at 6 a.m. to make his own lunch. When I went in the kitchen, I got my lunch from on top of the refrigerator, and I started making a sandwich. I had put some bread in the toaster, and then I took some cheese out of the refrigerator and ham. I was making a ham and cheese sandwich, and when I turned around to get the lettuce from the refrigerator, I saw a guy just walk past the door. He was walking from my mom's office to the dining room, so I thought he was maybe doing something in my mom's office. It was just creepy because he didn't look at me he didn't 
he just walked forward without like it was kind of I was kind of surprised at it because I didn't really know what was happening at that time I was I just turned around got the lettuce and I, I just saw him there Charlie stands there staring off at the same time Brian walks in and gives his son a kiss good morning so said good morning and uh, I was putting my stuff together as well for my, for my lunch. And I just hear him say, hey, Dad, who was that? And I, I looked around. I said, who was who? Dad, I saw someone walk past the door. I'm looking through the house to see if I can see anybody, if anybody's in here. Um, but I don't see anybody. So I come back into the kitchen. And then he asked me, like, what did he look like? And I said he had no head. He had a gray sweatshirt on and gray jogging pants. Hold on, what do you mean he didn't have a face? Like, what, what did he look like? He just had gray pants, but he didn't have a, a head, a face. I don't know what to tell him. And he was just kind of surprised. He was just kind of, like, creeped out. I was probably more nervous than he was, but uh, I just told him, don't worry about it. You just finish your lunch up, go back to bed wait for your mom to get up uh, and gave me a kiss and went off to work this was the first time that I actually thought I need to do something but I'm not used to dealing with this I'm not about to call a priest to do an, like an exorcism or anything because I don't feel like I don't I don't know what it is but I do have um, a cousin who is a little bit more open to things but I called her and I, I told her, like, hey, you know, I, I need to talk to you. I, I don't know what to do. And I explained to her sort of the recent developments. And she said to me, you know, I'm I, clearly like I'm not an expert. I'm just someone who is just sort of like open to this kind of stuff. But your children are getting involved now. So you need to sort of send this out. And I asked her, well, what do I do? I don't, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. And she said, you know, I would just try being like very firm. It doesn't sound like it's a malignant entity. Maybe this is like a reasonable thing, person, whatever it is. You need to just be firm and say like, you know, this is our house now. We're taking care of it. You need to move. You need to pass on. You need to leave. And I just sort of laughed and almost put it in the back of my head. I'm just like, yeah, like who's going to listen to someone just saying, you need to go, you need to bounce. But then all of a sudden, after finally showing itself, it seemed like the spirit went quiet. And then a few weeks after um, the Charlie incident in the kitchen, I was asleep in my bed, sans Brian, you know, he's down in the basement sleeping for whatever reason. And I feel someone climbing into bed with me. You know, the mattress being pushed down, the weight of someone climbing into the bed. I turn around, I open my eyes, nothing is there. But this time I, I was just done. And so I booked it. I ran out of the room and I went into the kitchen. I turned the lights on and I was just, I was done. I was over what was happening. It wasn't fun stories to tell. It wasn't anything that I want to deal with anymore. I wanted to leave my family alone. I wanted to go away. I wanted to stop. I felt silly, but I, I stood in the kitchen and I said, you know, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. 
but you need to go. Like, this is my family's house. We're taking care of it. You can relax. You can pass on. You can move on. You can go where you need to go, but you need to leave. I don't care where you go, but you need to go. Go into the attic. I don't care. Just go. And I turned off lights and I ran back to bed. And that was it. And believe it or not, that was actually it. That was it. I didn't feel anyone climbing into bed with me. We didn't hear anyone running down the hallway. And I couldn't believe that it was, I'm like, wow, was it really that easy? Was that all it took? I would have done this months ago if that's all it took. But when I think about it now, I, I honest to God think that it was the gentleman who owned the house before us because he he took care of the house sort of to the best of his ability. He was he was his wife had long since passed. His children were grown. They didn't live here. It was just him by himself and you know, he was getting taken advantage of. We heard that there was like a some people who would come and tell you you need x y and z work done and they would put stuff in the chimney and then tell that's why his chimney wasn't working and they would take it out and like scare him at night it was really weird but i i feel like he cared about the house and so i i think it was him but i feel like that's why it was focused sort of like on the house on the master bedroom he was sort of living here like it was still his place I have put this to bed for myself. Like No one's bothering me. Everything is good. Nothing is happening. And, you know, when I got the call saying that, you know, Spooked was interested in hearing our story and sharing it with their listeners, I mentioned it to my kids. I'm like, hey, guys, this is kind of fun. You know, remember when all this was happening? Uh, you know, mommy and dad are going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what happened. But my kids said, what are you talking about? It didn't stop. I'm like, yes, it did. And they're like, mommy, this is two, my youngest and my oldest both said, we hear someone walking around in the attic at night all the time. I didn't know what to say. And again, and I, you know, and I was like, no, 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 it's all in your head. Don't worry about it, guys. It's nothing. Because that's all I know how to do is to, that's all I know how to make them feel better is be like, it's nothing. I sleep with earplugs. I have a memory foam mattress now. So I have more, I have plenty of earplugs that they can share. They all have memory foam mattresses. We're set. Like let Eugene do what he needs to do in the attic. We don't need that space. The house is big enough. He can have the attic. Let us have the other two floors and we'll be square. Big thanks to Diane, to Brian, and your three wonderful boys, Xavier, Charlie, and Bennett. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And you got to know that Diane, Diane is a spooked listener. She reached out to us to share her story. We love it when you share your stories with us. We want to hear from you. Write us with an email, your terrifying tale. Send it to spooked at snapjudgment.org. The original score for that story was by Doug Stewart. It was produced by Annie New in. Now to get the inside on our underground lair, follow Spooked on Instagram at SpookPod. And remember, if you also like storytelling without the fear factor, 
get the amazing, stupendous, and incredible Snap Judgment podcast and storytelling with the beat. This book was created of a team that always remembers to tip their glass of wine to the ancestors who have gone before. Everyone follows this basic ritual, except for, of course, Mr. Mark Ristich. He guzzles his wine from the bottle, spirits be damned. Anna Sussman, our chief spookster, is Eliza Smith. Chris Hambrick, Annie Nguyen, Lauren Newsom, Leon Morimoto, Renzo Gorio, Jacob Winnick, Taylor Decott, Marissa Dodge, Aaliyah Yates, Zoe Ferrigno, Greta Weber, Sonic Khan, Tiffany DeLiza, Ann Ford, and Fernando Hernandez. The spook theme song is by Pat Lucini Miller. My name is Glenn Washington now. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. You may find yourself in another part of the world. You may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. You may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. You may ask yourself, self, how did I get here? Listen, ask yourself whatever you want to ask yourself, but never, ever, never, ever, never, never, ever turn out the lights. story was summoned in the dark of night by KQED and PRX.